Today's episode is brought to you by Carl Friedrich Leather Goods. You can check out their fantastic wares at carlfriedrich.com. More on this in the show. This is Unstructured. Today we have M. Douglas Silverstein, and this is going to be kind of a different sort of interview because do you go by M or Doug? Uh, most most commonly, I'm known as M. Okay, so M has directed a movie, The Weight of Success. It's a documentary, and it's about a life coach, a very quickly rising, or I'd say already risen life coach, truthfully, and the controversy around it. Now, I have my own personal feelings about that. And to be truthful, I always want to get it out a little bit. I'm a, a touch cynical about life coaches. So yep. that is going to, that is my stance. Tell me um, why. Ahead of time. Tell me, tell me. Let's hear it. Uh, we'll, we'll get into it. Okay. Because I'll ask the questions. I just like to reveal things ahead of time. But the interesting thing is that you are filming from a neutral position. So in a way, I'm kind of talking through you at something else. So... I need to address that point. I'm, I'm not really arguing with you or the movie. It's kind of like a, I'm asking you questions and I have a personal stance. So my questions may reflect a tone that I should let out early. No problem. Let's now, have I guess, at it. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'll start one thing. I know actually a student of Angela Loria or Dr. Angela Loria. Uh, Say that three times, just breaking <laughs> in the tongue. Dr. Angela Loria. I know one of her students, she's actually been a guest on the show, Jill Angie. And Jill has written three books, and she is a running coach who specializes in, well, we'll say overweight women. That's really and, her. And health and fitness for them. Yes. Very specifically health and fitness and acceptance of of them and their lives and things like that. So it's very, very inspiring and very cool. I'm a huge fan of Jill's. And she went to Angela, I believe, for all three of her books. Mm -hmm. And Angela's, I guess, specialty is helping life coaches, or in the case of Jill, she's kind of a fitness coach and a life coach combination. Angela helps them publish a book, but more importantly, publish an infrastructure to write off of a book. Would that be a fair assessment? Yeah. So I'm not an expert on her, even though I've done a movie, but I would say, uh, first and foremost, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, thanks for coming. <laughs> <laughs> my pleasure. Um, you know, much like in my profession, there are 400 different types of producers. Someone calls himself a producer and they might be in charge of getting the food to the right location. They might be in charge of getting the money. They might be in charge of getting the talent. It's not really fair to call Dr. Loria just a life coach because in so many ways, she's more than just a life coach. And she would even say that when you talk about, when I talk about what she is or does, that in order of her expertise, she would consider herself the world's best book coach. 
she would consider herself a good or very good business coach. And she thinks she's, you know, an okay life coach, but there are other people who are better life coaches. But then when we talk about life coaches, just like the producer example I gave, there are people like Jill, there are fitness coaches, there are business coaches, there are uh, Mm -hmm. financial coaches. So it's a huge world. So in one movie, in 40 movies, we could still probably keep talking about the different types of life coaches. But to answer your question more directly, my understanding, and I hope for all of the people who've worked with her, and if Dr. Lori is listening as well, that I answer this correctly, which is, yes, she's a business coach, but she helps you to not only do the technical craft of finishing your book, she inspires these people who have come to her because for eons they have been saying oh i want to write this book i always wanted to write this book but i don't know how to or i can't for whatever mental block or spiritual block or whatever you want to say they can't do it so they've researched it researched it and figured this is the right person company and woman for me who will inspire me who will hold me accountable to a certain schedule who will support me but also she has a massive infrastructure of editors and design people um, and graphic designers and book designers and editors and all these people. And one thing that in my tons and tons of filming that she had said to me was, hey, I'm going to do a marketing summit and it's going to be a lot of like uh, looking at spreadsheets and you're welcome to shoot it. I'm not hiding anything from you, but you may or may not find it interesting. And the truth is for the film, totally not interesting. As a person, I was amazed. It was the first time I said, whoa, okay, regardless of what I think of the entire industry, this woman definitely provides a service that is real. Meaning like it's not just good feelings, good feelings, you know, I love you, kittens and rainbows. It's uh, this is how many podcasts you have to be on. This is how many interviews you need to be. This is how many clients you need to be. If you want to build to this X amount of money per month, this is how many clients you need to have. I mean, she is without taking her side or the industry side at all, a master of um getting it out there, putting it out there and instructing these people on how to build their own business based on the fact that they are an expert with a best-selling book. Well, she has a lot of hustle, obviously. Um, the same way as Gary Vaynerchuk and um, some others. And I have criticisms for them too. <laughs> so, <laughs> now, my one thing about it is one, her, her PhD is in postmodern studies, I believe she has said. And I find it kind of almost the perfect position because postmodernism is based on how so many things are essentially a social construct. And really, her empire is kind of a construct. So is that a question or is that a or is that your own response? It's both. Just put a question mark in the end. <laughs> All right. All right. That's fine. I, uh, I, I would say that I'm an expert in some things, but I'm not in in post, you know, all of that stuff, I would say it makes sense because from my under my, what I'm remembering is that her degree was also focused in sort of live performance and how, um, music affects people. And on some level, uh, me with my, my music background and why I was interested in her, which I'll get to in a minute about people having their own fans is that she would always set out to 
I think, help groups of people and not just herself and not just individuals. So while for people who grew up in Boston like myself or went to Harvard or have a fancy degree, it may not make sense, but I can see why it makes sense and was a good choice for her even if she didn't know that she was going to build the business that she has built. Um, it makes sense because she's always like galvanizing people and, and they are performing, you know, to get people to sign up for their businesses, to help lead these life coaching businesses. There has to be a certain level of um, deconstruction of oneself and their own stuff and business in order to be leaders in their own spaces. I, I hope that's answered it somewhat. Okay. Well, and, that's cool. That's speaking directly on her. Let's step back one. What okay. do you think of life coaching as a whole? Uh, okay. So again, like I said earlier, that's a big, giant, gaping hole of a question. Um, of course it is. But I, <laughs> So I'm jumping into the Grand Canyon of uh, questions. So thanks, buddy. Um, oh, you're welcome. <laughs> what I would say is um, there are good life coaches out there, I believe. And there are good therapists and there are good faith leaders. And there are also some not good ones, for sure. Um, What's the over-under? Give me that. I mean, uh, you rolled several things together, and I I could see that. I'm going to guess percentage-wise, though. Are you saying that the same percentage of good therapists are the equal to the percentage of good life coaches? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, um, yeah, I think what I had to negotiate for myself while wanting to tell a balanced story and wanting to not take a side was to say, cause I've never worked with a life coach and I have been skeptical of life coaches. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to do the film, but I have been to therapists in the past and I was telling a story today, five years ago, I was in a heartbreak over the loss of a girlfriend and I have, in my opinion and some others, a very high EQ, emotional, you know, intelligence. And Mm -hmm. I knew exactly what I wanted to work on. And I called six different therapists who were on my plan and said, here are the three things I want to, I want to do. I don't see this as a long-term prospect and I want homework. I want things to write about. I want things to listen to. I want things to watch. And five out of six said, well, we'll just see. Probably two to three years. Come in, and it'll be $350 for the first time, and we'll see. And one guy said to me, well, absolutely, this shouldn't be a life sentence. I, in fact, do give out handouts. I will have you do writing, and I will have you uh, research things and sort of be accountable to yourself. So in a weird way, he might sort of have been a life coachy kind of a therapist, but it wasn't – it was – still using the emotional vernacular versus the sort of feel good vernacular. Um, I, again, I've not worked with a life coach, but I have seen (laughs) people around Dr. Loria that I think are reputable. And I think, and some of them I think are also very good at marketing. And I also think some of them are definitely both. Um, I haven't met anybody who said, Oh my God, that person I worked with who worked with Dr. Loria is a total scam. I've heard people say the industry as itself is a scam. Um, but I was very skeptical um, while starting this, and I am still skeptical about who it is. So the larger answer to the large question is it's really a, a case to case basis. We don't know until we get into it. You know, you can look at somebody's 
you know, life coaches are very out there. They have Instagram feeds. They have um, Facebook Live events. Not a lot of shrinks that I've seen are doing that. They're like, oh, come to my couch and let's talk. Sure. Um, so, well, they have licensing standards that they have to they, abide they, by. If they put it out on Instagram, things like that, they may get in trouble with boards. You know, I, I don't know that. I, I think that there are, there was somebody actually I saw when I was researching five years ago, therapist um, who was not on my plan. And I think they were called something like Get Happy. And it was a group of five psychologists and they do do social media marketing. So I don't know that being board certified is, uh, if it's a no-no, I think it's a unspoken no-no within the psychology and psychiatry community to do ostentatious posts or to gauche gauche yes i mean that that seems like it would be against what a lot of people do but i did go to um randomly i i belong to a, a i feel like such a Hollywood guy by saying this, but I belong to a Hollywood club, which is a private members club and they have events there. And there was all of these people going into one of the event spaces. And I was like, what's going on? And it was a wellness center and they had, um, and I listened for a couple of hours to the different, uh, speeches that they were having. They were panels and one was about sort of finding yourself. And one was in, in relationship to yourself. And one was about in relationship to others. And there was a psychiatrist who was involved with these other, what you would consider, consider, um, you would consider typical life coach people as well as a hostage negotiator. And I thought they all three had some valid points. And typically I would, probably respond to the language type of a of a shrink because that's what i'm most used to but mm. i guess i guess that's what i'm saying it really comes down to the person and you should do your research you should call them you should ask them before you give money to anybody whether they've been to harvard medical school or they've gone to a, a seminar let's talk about the money um what what kind of charges are we looking at I, again, I don't really know, but what I do know is I know that they, when it comes to the author incubator, I would suggest that anybody reach out to them and they can ask them directly what the fees are like, but I know it's a significant investment and that they really research you as well as they research, you research them because they want to have really good results because it's good business practice to say, you know, I think they have something like 98.9 or 99 point something percent of people who finish their program. And if they didn't do a lot of rigorous background checky kind of things or in, multiple interviews, they wouldn't have those type of results. And that's, I think that's a sort of brilliant business model that Dr. Loria and her team employ where other people who don't have the, maybe the resources or the outreach to be able to, or the, yeah, the resources really to get this massive pile of people to even apply because they build a need based on the fact that she gets great results and that they pre-qualify people that they would consider their ideal clients versus just somebody who says, yeah, maybe I want to write a book. Because if they just if they just allowed, I don't know, let's say 20 people to go, yeah, I want to write a book, and they don't, run, they don't do the book, they can A, blame the author incubator and Dr. Loria. B, they can complain till they're blue in the face that, that this was a scam when they agreed to sign up for something. So I think... There are a lot of, I mean, I, I literally had a, had a meeting with a guy this morning who said, 
oh man, I heard about that film. It's playing everywhere. Blah, blah, blah. You did. My ex-girlfriend used to be a life coach. And I asked him, mm. oh, well, do you think she was a good one? He said, I think she thinks she's a good one. I said, is she? <laughs> I said, do you think she, does she have really, is she very attractive, very upbeat and has an amazing Instagram uh, following? She said, yeah. And she really means it, and she's really positive, and she's really a nice person, but she wasn't speaking my language, and I didn't want to be with her anymore. And she's, he said, and she really didn't make a lot of money at it. But just because people want to be a life coach, that's probably a well-intentioned thing. That doesn't mean they're good business people. What kind of background research? I am very curious about that. Did you discover in your movie exactly what they are doing, how they are vetting the clients? Uh, well, I'll tell you, first and foremost, it was super difficult. I, I never wanted, let me take one step back to say, I didn't want to do a 60 minutes piece. I didn't want to do a, you know, here's every fact and figure because that's not A, the movie I wanted to make. B, it is very, very difficult to find accurate metrics on that industry and psychology because it's really hard to prove whether a life coach helps someone or whether a psychologist helps someone because it's such a personal experience and there's not a lot of like after interviews like you'd see on the bachelorette or something where they go he was a great guy or he wasn't a great guy they just don't that kind of metrics doesn't exist there's some like forbes data there was um there was opinion papers that sort of thing sure but um, There's another problem built in too. What's that? You could feel really good about your session, but it didn't necessarily help you. And that's hard to track. And, but also, it, it may help you a lot, but you may feel better about yourself, but you actually don't go anywhere in your job or life. We, we don't know. And that can get really squirrely. Well, who, but who's, who, but whose responsibility is that? Is that the life coach's responsibility or is that the person, same thing if they went to a shrink, if they tell you, here's my advice for you and they don't take it, then no one will ever know whether it was a good, right. good advice or not. And if they take it and don't really apply it, it, you know what I mean? It's really hard to put the metrics on it. It's really hard to find the metrics on right. it. That's why I was agreeing with you is that was a, another factor to make it difficult. It was, but I, when you watch the film, so a lot, there's been a lot of press and, you know, now I have the good fortune of being on your podcast, but, um, in, <laughs> it, in, in other, in other press, you know, that I've done on a bunch of TV and radio, they've said, they've asked me similar things like, you know, what's all this controversy about? And typically I would mention that it's an unregulated industry. So anybody mm -hmm. can just be a life coach if they want to, whereas psychology and psychiatry, they have a certain um, degree or diploma that they have to move and work towards. But just because they have a degree or don't agree doesn't mean they don't help people. It's just not my experience of working with them. But that's what that's how the film is sold typically to a wider audience and for press because they're interested sure. in having sort of a, a debate between the two sides of this of this very controversial world and business. Mm. But but I would say what's fair to say, and I will be after our festival run in a couple of months, I will be also pivoting my marketing to share what I think the film really is about, which is one woman's struggle to get her life together. Dr. Loria, I think is super duper inspiring, whether you believe in her or her life coaching stuff or not. 
she's I refer to her as the next Oprah because she's someone who suffered with tremendous weight issues her whole life. She was disregarded by her father um, because she was overweight, had two slim, sort of attractive sisters who were five and seven years older than her. And he used them in his own marketing for his company, which was uh, Mm. building custom hot rods and sort of ignored her. And as he says in the film itself, your birth was an inconvenience to my business, which is kind of like a, oh, so really said that now he said that in the film and it was just an honest remark. And she, she sort of graciously took that like, wow, I've never, you know, it's, it's one of those like, oh my God moments. And it shows one of the things that she's had to deal with. So uh, a sort of disrespectful father in her youth and disregard for being overweight she was up to 350 pounds like four times in her life she was a a very big person and so often i'm not you know i can't speak for all people who are um very big Mm. but often people who are very big it's because of a um a sense of not feeling good about themselves and that's not a you know i can't sit here and say that every person who you know they have a gland issue they have or they're totally okay being heavy set but it is routinely seen, you know, like we think, oh, well, if you're overweight, then you're not happy. And for her, part of that was true. She just wasn't feeling sure. like she was living in her own body. So I, I'll circle back around to say that when people see the marketing of the film and a lot of the press, they're interested in just the controversy. And I think it's fair to say that this is also a very inspiring story about a woman who, you know, didn't have a big, a, a great start in life um, emotionally physically was seeking uh, seeking spiritual means and then turned out to be an equally if not much more impressive entrepreneur than her father was and that's probably what drives her too is to say you know like look i i'm great at this and i can do this and dad you can think whatever you want to or you can treat me however you wanted to in my youth doesn't matter because now i'm a self-made person and she does inspire a hell of a hell of a lot of people it's interesting and the weight and stuff um what's well, called the weight of success and it could also be right. referred to as the weight despite success or the well it's ironic because she despite. lost the weight and now the movie's weighed up but and the what lisa lampanelli i'm sure you're familiar with yeah yeah would take a step back now that she made that you said the movie is what made up well it's ironic because she lost the weight right and the movie is the weight of. Oh, but the okay. weight is gone. So well, well, <laughs> it's just interesting. No, no. So let me explain that. So to me, the name has has multiple meanings, and part of it was the emotional heaviness, the weight of it, how it sits on your body, not just the physical sure. fat cells. It's the emotional heaviness on your shoulders and in your brain, um, and what it takes to be successful despite people thinking you shouldn't be or you can't be or you're never going to be now you were going to say about lisa lampanelli i love her i think she's a, an amazing comedian and has totally shifted gears right i was gonna say timing wise it's very interesting because late last year lisa lampanelli quit comedy to become a life coach well for her it's really amazing because you know she was known historically as the queen of mean and now sure. is she rebranding as the queen of nice no she's using her no Fun, funny, salty personality to try to have breakthroughs. I heard her last, um, what was supposed to be her last, like, sort of mean 
uh, and comedic performance and interview on Howard Stern. And I was like, whoa, I couldn't believe it. So not dissimilar mm-hmm. from Angela. Angela's not a comedian. She's actually quite a good singer, though, um, <laughs> is that she she needed to shift gears in her life, you know, and she wanted to offer her side of how she sort of found happiness. And I think Lisa is a huge ball of talent. That is one talented woman. And, oh, sure. And I would love to do, Lisa, if you're listening, hello. I'm a big fan. And I'd love to do some cross-promotional marketing with you about my film. Just saying it, Lisa Lampanelli, if you got your ears on. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Carl Friedrich Leather Goods. Now, I'm really excited to work with these guys. I... We don't want to just bring up any sponsor or have anybody else, but for my day job, I actually work in a corporate environment, and I'm very impressed by the leather goods they create. Now, they have this new backpack coming out called the Bowen, and I mean, it is not only well-constructed, it's sexy as hell. Now, as a person working in a corporate environment, I really don't want to have a bag that I'm just schlepping around and looking sloppy. And I know a lot of you feel the same way. They not only have great bags, but they also have briefcases and cases to hold your gear, like an iPad case, an iPhone case, things like that. Definitely check them out at carlfriedrich.com or check the show notes. And I'm going to have a link in there as well. I really appreciate them supporting the show. And definitely please check them out again, carlfriedrich.com. Now, speaking of pivoting, mm-hmm. you, this is kind of a pivot for you too, isn't it? Uh, yeah, you're talking career-wise. I sure. Yeah. Um, well, I've done other documentaries, and I've done a lot of you know some short documentaries behind the scenes, and what are called EPKs or electronic press kits. I literally did hundreds of them for the music industry, and that is definitely, which is what I think you're getting at. I am. Yes. I am really well known, uh, or if I'm known for anything, it's about working with the world's uh, most well-known uh, rock stars, pop stars, country, hip hop, R and B. And it's a lot of them, and it's a lot of names, and I could name drop for a week kind of thing. But Right. Your, your previous documentary is Duran Duran. That's an easy name drop. Uh, yeah, that was a, a feature celebrating its 10th anniversary this year. It will. And uh, we're going to do some events around that. Features, um, let's see, Kelly Ripa, Carson Daly, Moby, Bare Naked Ladies, Guys from Corn, and No Doubt, among others. Um, That's range. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, they did inspire a lot of people, and um, it's called um, Something You Should Know, the Duran Duran fan documentary, and it chronicles the return of an 80s supergroup, and would, would their super fans still be there after so many years? Um, but I've done lots of other things as well that you may or may not be able to find on in and or around the media. Um, but, you know, it's interesting when you say pivoting about my career – you're not wrong meaning like i feel like i've worked with over a thousand artists and as Mm -hmm. i said i can be all name droppy but that's not really significant we can talk about people if you want to ask me specifically um throughout this interview but um i was and have been looking for another way to sort of do storytelling i wanted to work with rock stars in other worlds i wanted to see people who had their own swagger had their own fans um 
could hold an audience through some type of performance so that it wouldn't be a massive stretch from the things I've done. Cause I've done, you know, 15 camera live concerts with like a green day or Taylor Swift, and they have a whole energy into themselves along with documentaries, along with product and promos and commercials with these artists. So every sort of subset of my own work is a way that sort of connects me to this project and the ones that will happen in the future. Cause I'm, you know, thinking about what my next projects are and have had some discussions. And I think that um, whatever they are, I hope that they're inspiring. I hope that they reach a large audience and people love them. I mean, the Duran Duran film uh, has been seen in 84 countries. Nice. I, I want 85, but 84 is not bad. <laughs> well, you got time. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Take it on the plane. well it's funny i haven't uh i'm not really going to talk about that yet but i it has not been streamed yet and it has not been on planes and so forth and after this 10th anniversary we might be exploring those things yeah things have changed and maybe you know not to segue but things have changed quite a bit in the past 10 years haven't they oh sure just the way we release media alone i mean i i've sold thousands and thousands and thousands of dvds but eric when was the last time you bought a dvd Oh, I avoid them. <laughs> I mean, and when was the last time you bought a CD? Like, it's so rare. Oh, yeah. It's so rare that we buy physical media now. Um, and I'm really lucky. I, I was sort of, when it was released in um, October of 2009 or November of 2009, it was, it was still somewhat relevant. You know what I mean? And the streaming sure. services weren't, weren't quite there yet. Um, so well, I have, Amazon was still shipping discs back then a lot more. Netflix, too. So well, that's why I meant Netflix. Sorry. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, you know, one for rent and one for purchase, but I, uh, I wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't be part of a future plan. I could offer them. There are services I know that can do sort of one-offs or a small batch run, but it's not, you know, if I did a, let's say a movie about Neil Diamond or Cher, their audience might be still buying DVDs. Right because of just their age and what they're used to and how they're comfortable doing things. But it really has changed. And and I think what's also unique about life coaches that draws a parallel to all of the rock stars I've worked with is that they connect with people through social media. They have a fan base. They sell, especially Duran Duran, an aspirational lifestyle. I mean, I'll tell you what, it wasn't just because all the girls thought John Taylor and Simon LeBon were cute. They were like, running around uh in antigua and india and they were Mm. on jet setting and planes and on boats and they were playing these massive uh crowds i was like they were instagram before instagram yeah they were legit they were analogram i guess (laughs) i mean seriously i mean because you look at and the good point by instagram legit they weren't renting the planes to get a still shot they were actually on the plane yeah you're right they were and um it's funny somebody was showing me I haven't upgraded to a 10 yet on, on my iPhone and he was showing me these backgrounds. I was like, Oh my gosh, like you can pretend you're anywhere. If you want to be a phony, like they have these backgrounds that I would normally light for a green screen and composite people in and make it all difficult and they can do it. You know, Hey, look, you're in Sierra Nevada. Hey, you're the grand Canyon. And that's frightening how good and how, what a misconception or misperception you can portray if you want to. How do you deal with that as a filmmaker? Because the tools, I mean, it's become very democratized, which is good in some ways because it's a lot cheaper now, but then it's kind of like, I'm a podcaster. There are 700,000 podcasts 
takes me a lot of effort to get above the noise. Yeah. Um, How do you do as a filmmaker? I, I think I might need you to ask the question again. So what are you specifically asking? How do you break through the noise? Because now everyone can be a filmmaker. Yeah, it's a very good point. Just, yeah, thank you for clarifying it a little bit more. Um, geez, Louise, there are, I don't even know. You said there's 700,000 podcasters? Yep. That's scary, my friend. And there must be 700,000 aspiring directors or more. They're probably just that. 60 million YouTubers, I think. Oh, my God. Um, you know, the simple answer is, while there has a be, been a democratization of the tools have gotten a lot cheaper, the mm-hmm. um, availability of these cheaper tools has gotten a lot easier. It still comes down to good storytelling and good content. And that sounds like a canned um, answer, but something about my film and some of my other work has hit the zeitgeist, meaning that there's enough people who go, Oh, I want, I want to know more about that. And that's also let's be frank and clear here why the marketing, the initial marketing was all about um, the controversy. Cause that's not the biggest part of my film. The biggest part of my film is sure. really inspiring woman. Like whether you agree with it or not, like you, I think if you watched till the last frame, you would go, huh, whether I like her or not, whether I believe in life coaching or not good for her, like good for her, good for anybody. Cause in the end, unless you're a total jerk, you you want people to win. You just do. I mean, I do. Sure. I, I I want the underdog to win because it's so. Otherwise, we're all living as one percenters emotionally, not just financially or spiritually, or whatever. <laughs> right? I mean, I I'd be fine if my checkbook looked like that. It, it does fine, but uh, if it was in the one percent, I wouldn't complain about it. But I hope I would still be a good person and care for the underdog and care for. I I mean, I do now. I talk to strangers every single day, not to fluff myself up, but I do care and love people, whether I agree with them or not. I just do. Well, and I understand you've got to push the controversy to get butts on the seat. Well, yeah, and to get Otherwise. and so it and to get press to have people talk about the film, you have to you have to get people talking. So so mm-hmm. A good storytelling, B give them a reason to talk about it. To me I haven't seen any other real life coaching films that were let's say brutally honest. Let's say uh, explored it and didn't take a side. The only couple I've seen mm. are clearly produced by Tony Robbins and Rachel Hollis. They were, you know, I don't want to say fluff pieces, but they were, they're basically extended branded content for them and they have every right to do it. And they have huge Check infomercials. Yeah. More beautifully shot. And they have huge businesses and they have the right to do that. But I set out to do a film and really do a film, not just a, hey, everything's great. So, you know, Dr. Loria, I, I give her a lot of credit. I, I think she was very brave and courageous because she had no editorial control. She had no say She seemed over to be, I hate to say, use the term, she seemed to be in on the joke, if that makes sense. I am saying it as an attitude type of thing. Like, she doesn't take herself too seriously. I, she sort of comes off that way. You know, when you say that she's not taking herself too seriously or she's sort of in on the joke, I think a lot of people in her community would say that proves the sort of work that she's done and that she doesn't let 
it get to her, but for the millions and millions of people who are listening to your podcast right now, what they don't know if they haven't seen the film is that she has a epic, you know, like Dungeons and Dragons and Game of Thrones kind of battle against a traditional psychologist who is brutal. And he is, uh, he probably helps her win her own argument a little bit because he, this particular very noted, very, you know, reputable psychologist is so anti what she does and thinks that all life coaches are hurting people because they're, you know, they're not regulated. They didn't go to the same level of schooling. Mm -hmm. You know, I guess is she in on the joke? No, she wasn't in, in on the editorial, but she is, she was, not reluctant to, to do the film, but she's her sort of main points were, hey, as long as it doesn't take a lot of my time, I'm willing to do it. And I had to go to her a couple of times, say, I need more. I need, you know, can are you ever going to be in L.A.? Can I come back to D.C.? And I went to five different states with her and her family. And because I needed to see both sides. And at some point early on, I turned to her and said, I feel like you and your students and your fellow life coaches and all your people are really nice people, but you're telling me what you want me to hear as opposed to me getting to the meat of the story. So I'm concerned I'm not going to have a good film. I'm concerned that I haven't told both sides of the story. And here's an idea. And if you don't want to do it, that's fine. But I may never finish the film as a result. And I said to her flat out, I know this guy. He ran like Fordham criminology and psychology forensics. He uh, ran psychological institutes, got a huge, massive resume. Would you be willing to have a no holds bar debate with him to prove or disprove the efficacy and legitimacy of your industry and you? And she said, absolutely. Her first answer was absolutely. Yes. That's the most brilliant idea you've had. That's better than watching me teach my students. You tell me where you want me to be and I'll be there. I said, well, are you willing to fly to LA to, so I can do it on a soundstage? She said, yes. So she spent, so you know what? Let's give her a little credit. She spent her own money to fly. She to flew L- herself. She flew okay. herself. I did not well, pay for that. She flew herself. So yeah, you know what? I, I should give her credit. I, I don't think I've ever acknowledged that in the press. She flew herself there and I told each of them, it was on a, you know, on a big stage, and I, I told each of them, you know, this lady thinks she's going to completely rip you apart. And then I said, <laughs> and I said to him, I said, you know, Mr. Shrink, this, this woman thinks, you know, that you're She's a- been talking all kinds of trash about you. Well, well, I don't know. No, but I said, yeah, right. <laughs> so I was definitely, and I think maybe that's why the psychologist is such a jerk, uh, while debating her, he's just, he's so just, have you just worked in reality TV? Is that, you learn those tricks? <laughs> uh, <laughs> not really. No, I haven't, but I, I wanted it to be ferocious. I wanted it to be fiery and I literally, I would not let them see each other. They were there for a couple of hours while I was setting up in separate ends in different rooms. I, I made them w- walk along a wall of either walls uh, across the side of this massive studio and said, do not turn around. Here's the rules. When I tell you to turn around, you're going to walk toward each other and in- shake hands, introduce each other and sit down. And then I'd like you to talk about why your business 
is the real deal versus the other business not a real deal. I'm giving you 28 minutes. That's how long my 4K digital media, you know, Alexa, <laughs> which is a very fancy camera brand that we used. That's how much it'll hold and action. And they did cool. it. And they, and now I can't, in a 40-minute film, I can't show all 28 minutes. Well, but you cut it all down. I Yeah, but it's very authentic to what it was. I mean, it was, whew. as I said, <laughs> I said, you know, at other times, like, it's sort of amazing no one came out of there bloody. And, but she was did very they composed. Leave as they, they, <laughs> I'll say this towards the end of the film. He was not having it. He wasn't a. He was just like, his whole thing was, it's not based in science, so, and it's not a big degree thing, so it's totally a con. And she was like, okay, we can agree to disagree. And she's like, no, it's not science. We can't agree to disagree. We can't agree, period. I mean, he was he was uncompromising in his opinion, and it was brutal. Um, but, it, you know, when you said, is she in on it or whatever, she was in she was a very willing participant to defend her industry, to defend what she believes in. It's not just good business for her. She has spent, as she states in the film, over $500,000 on her own self-help and uh, improvement. Hmm. Like, she cares about it. And, like, I don't know about you. I don't know if there's anything I would spend $500,000 on that involves me. I don't have 500000 to spend. <laughs> that's the first part. <laughs> well, I'm not going to loan it to you either, but, uh, <laughs> but, but only in ratings. Right. 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 I think I didn't we say, suggest a million. Um, yeah. <laughs> so she wasn't in on it, meaning she didn't have a say, but she was willing to, when I confronted her and said, Hey, you know what? I, I'm just not going to finish this film because it's all too nice. Nice. And I didn't come here to do a infomercial for you. I'm not doing the Tony Robbins show. I'm not doing that. And she said, okay, she said, okay. I wanted to know that too, because in our correspondence, you know, between you and I and um, uh, other people involved with this, I noticed that she was copied on a lot of the correspondence. So I didn't know what her level of buy-in was with you and promotion and things like that. I know you've done interviews together as well. Yeah, we've done some interviews. It is, um, it's really important to me to have her because she is, like I, like I said, I think she could be the next Oprah and I am trying to develop and sell a TV show about her. So, um, I, that's one of the things I said, if, if you're, if you're willing to give me access, the thing that I want is I want the TV rights for a certain period of time to try and sell a TV show because I think your story is really inspiring and the people around you might be really interesting to watch on television. And she said, okay, I'll give you a little bit of access and I'll give you a little bit of time to try and sell it. And um, I want her involved because she's the star of the movie and she's very intelligent and she's well-spoken and you know, she's the focus of the, she's the main focus of the movie. There's other people who appear, of course, who are life coaches and some of her students and so forth. But, mm -hmm. um, the reason she was, is I've asked the, um, my booking people to include her. So if she's available, she may be interested or may be willing to appear because I, I don't shy away from her having her own opinion, much like I, you know, the shrink doesn't want to be involved in the, in the promo of it, but uh, he's got other things going on. Um, but yeah, I, I hope that answers the question, which is I have, sure. I have no problem her being involved. She's the star. She's on the poster. She's in the, you know, she's the woman taking the big hits and having the big victories. Well, and I respect that she flew herself out and 
um, walked into the lion's den, so to speak. Yeah, brave, brave. And that that is highly commendable. It really is. Now, I wanted to ask you, it's kind of another pivot, but because you've worked with extremely big names like your counterpart, M, how is it? Oh, you talk about Madonna. Yes, there you go. Yeah. I'll make you a name drop. <laughs> yeah. How does it compare? Because the way I look at it is um, Dr. Loria is a celebrity in her own right, but it's very niched down versus Madonna, who is extremely wide acclaim. How do the two of them, I mean, would you compare and contrast them? Um, they're both pretty good singers. I think Dr. Loria is probably a little bit of a better singer in some ways, but I think, I think Madonna is a much better dancer. Um, <laughs> and she has a team of people who, you know, I'm, I know Dr. Loria has, a, you know, a stylist and Madonna has many, many, many stylists and many, many, many makeup people. Um, it's hard to compare them because, you know, one is doing mass appeal entertainment and, right, and exactly. one is doing micro-appeal, self-help, get your life together. I don't even, I couldn't even, I was going to say infotainment, but I don't even think it's fair. She, I think she understands the show of it. You know, she wants her people to have a good feeling when they release their books and so forth and has these red carpet launches. And that's just part of her own branding. But uh, I think she's so interested in having sincere connections both with their clients and then them having them with their audience. Um, Is that, would that, would it be a fair comparison to say then that um, Dr. Loria is a very super expensive, but very touchable as in contact, you know, her, her fans can contact her directly. They pay a lot more. Whereas the Madonna fans will never really see her. And they pay much less for a ticket or a record or things like that. Is that a? Uh, I don't know if that's fair because first of all, I don't I don't have an intimate knowledge of what all of the life coaches cost. So, if you're talking about, there are now fan experiences where you can spend thousands of dollars to interact with your favorite stars and go to Hmm, VIP meet and greets. You can go to uh, sound checks. You can go on. Uh, cruises with some of the less, I mean, Madonna, I don't think we'll ever do a cruise. She's 60 years old and just headlined the billboard music awards last night. You know, we're we're probably pre-taping this a couple of days or a week before you launch this. But you know, the bottom line is, is she's still out there performing? Yes. I think again, I, I think Madonna has sort of like uh, Duran Duran. We talked about before other massive artists. They've been doing this for 30 or 40 years. Dr. Loria has, wanted to do this maybe for 20 years, but has only really been doing it for five, six, seven years. And mm-hmm. she's not on the radio with big hit singles. She's not selling out stadiums. Now she may in the future, like some of her other um, people in her business, like a Tony Robbins, but she's not really uh, for the lack of a nicer way to say it. She's not a fame whore. She's, <laughs> she's just not, she's, she recognizes, I think that it's important um, she's turned down way more opportunities to be involved in the press than she has said yes to based on the fact that she would rather spend her time inspiring her people and teaching her courses than having conversations with lovely people like you and me. Like she just really like, she's cool with it. Cause it's important that people know about her, 
but sure. it's not her life's goal to be Madonna or to be Eric or to be M. Douglas. You know, it's just, it's not. You know, she's a okay. businesswoman and she's and a life coach person. So she's, she's probably way, 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 way better at business than both of us combined. I mean, she really understands business. It's astonishing. She's very smart, very smart woman. Well, I wanted to ask you about that because really you have access mm-hmm. that I don't have, that most um, people listening don't have. So it's very hard Are for us We're talking about to- Madonna again? <laughs> well, Madonna, Green Day, Duran Duran. I mean, you, as you said, you can name drop uh, Sir Paul. Yeah. Um, and you've been exposed to many different people and have uh, probably a better idea. And I'm also guessing, you can correct me if I'm wrong, since you're filming concerts and things like that, you probably have to spend some very real time around them and often in highly stressful situations where things aren't working quite right. Right. I can tell you that the the difference, um, you know, I've had a crying Amy Winehouse, like huddled in my arms because she thought her band was being mean to her and her management was being mean and they thought she wasn't behaving well either. And so she was sort of glommed on to me as, oh my God, you're the only, and, and coincidentally, she made me the best sandwich of my life. Um, oh. um, yes. Yeah, fun weird story but um i do see these people in intimate moments that are both beautiful and challenging i did see dr loria in some beautiful and challenging moments that whether i was filming or not may not have been important to the film in the end i still want to be a person and so i care about people and if they're having a difficult day whether they're super famous or they're a stranger walking down the street, I hope, and I'm actually certain that I would behave and treat them the same way equally as a human on the planet, that you need help in this moment. And the same thing, if I don't know you and I see somebody is a friend of a friend who posted something, oh my God, my kid got into Tulane, or wow, I I just won the 40s and over tennis league. I root for strangers too. Like I want them to have genuine victories. Why not? We're humans. Why being negative does not help. And I will tell you if there's, it's funny. I, I had this thought today. I was wondering if you were going to ask me a question about, Oh, like, do you believe in life coaching now? Are you going to go get one? I don't have any clear need or goal in this moment to get a life coach, but I will say there is definitely something inspiring about being positive. And they all, most of them seem to work on this like law of attraction thing you've probably heard of mm-hmm. and just mindfulness, which is the word that seems to be in every kind of marketing campaign for a gym or a health shake or whatever. And mm-hmm. I saw today, speaking of Facebook, that someone had posted how they have found that being like meditating and being positive has affected molecular level and structural levels of the heart and brain by being positive, it actually improves your health. So that's worth it. Now, is it worth the price of admission you have to pay some life coach? I don't know. But if it teaches you to be positive, it's way better than being negative in, in the world, right? Because nobody nobody wants to talk to a sourpuss <laughs> jerk. Like I don't. I don't want to. Anytime somebody raises their voice or they, they seem to be really negative, it's not interesting for me to talk to them. But I wish oh, them sure. well and I move on through 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 my line at, at coffee or whatever, just go, you know, have a good day. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, a good positive message to uh, close out on. And it makes me think of, 
actually there's a life coach thing that Penn and Teller did on bullshit. And he actually Penn finished saying, try to have a friend. Mm. Maybe you can get a lot of the effects of life coaching by having a good friend. Yeah, you know, one thing I would I would say about that, what I what I have found um, through researching a bunch of life coaches and by speaking to a bunch of them is people people say to me, well, why would anyone go to a life coach when you can go to a shrink, when you can talk to your best friend, when you can talk to your wife? And I say, based on my experience, is that a lot of these people did. They did talk to their cousin, mm. their best friend, their lover, their, you know, their rabbi or a shrink and they couldn't hear it. And there was some sort of added value service of paying someone to hold them accountable. And, you know, like I, I have, I know people who have had therapists for 20 years and they seem to have just sort of plateaued. And that's why I would have never gone to that. As I said, early in the interview, when I needed uh, some help five years ago, I interviewed these six people, found one guy and mm -hmm. I work with them for three to six months. And then every year, if I need a, like a refresher, I'll go and talk to them a couple of times. And, and that's, that's just it. Like sometimes you got to pay somebody to hear them because you've tried all the other typical avenues and your friends might literally be saying the same darn thing. You're okay. <laughs> it's going to be okay. People love you. People will love you. We love you. And don't worry, you're going to be able to pay your mortgage. And they just go, oh, no. Oh, no, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. And then they pay a perfect stranger, a therapist or a shrink or a life coach. And they go, oh, okay. Yeah, it's going to be okay. Oh, there is that. Um, I, I forgot the name of the fallacy, but essentially it's the same. It's a placebo effect. It's a value added service for paying exactly. by financially investing in yourself. Because that's all it really yes. is. It's investing. It's in worth yourself. something. I paid for it. Right. So I added value to it by putting money into it. Yes. I'm sending you a $7 million bill for this podcast because now I've added value to your podcast. <laughs> and I will send that check right out. With some funny money from Monopoly, right? <laughs> no, I've really enjoyed talking to you, by the way. Um, I'm, I'm grateful Thank to you. be here. Is there any other question that you had, uh, you were dying to ask me that we haven't gotten to? Nope. I think we're all set. All right. Thank you so much for coming on. Unstructured World, all this, the fans of Unstructured and Eric, I would love you to check out The Weight of Success. Uh, you can Google the trailer on YouTube. You can like our page. Um, we are having a, a couple of premieres in May. Uh, we're, we're in May 2019, if you're listening. And we're premiering at the... Next week, right? Yeah, the on May 14th at the uh, Philadelphia Independent Film Awards. And we're nominated for Best Documentary. And May 15th, if you happen to be in the south of France, we'll be in Nice. And we're nominated for Best Editing and Best Cinematography. And then there'll be more if you like our Facebook page. And uh, feel free to reach out to me or through Eric. Um, there'll be more events and more things, cool things happening around the way to success. It's been a great pleasure to be with you. And um, thank you to all of the fans of your show for listening this long. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, please consider subscribing for free. And I mean for free. It is always free. There's no billing, anything else. You can subscribe in your player of choice, which is probably right in your hands. Or 
you can go to unstructuredpod.com, and there are plenty of links there. Thank you so much. And in the spirit of sharing, here's a couple more shows you may want to check out. I did not grow up with very much money. Money's energy. Money is something that, that really scares me. You had about 60 grand in debt. Money isn't the answer. Somebody should just give me a lot of money. My dream was to be the WWE wrestler, but you realize that your dreams change over the years. Money's a tool. It's a key to a gate. And at the other side of the gate is the things that you really want to do with your life. It's the things that matter most to you. It's pursuing those values that make you ultimately happy. Listen to Inspired Money at inspiredmoney.fm. Hi, I'm Tyson Franklin, the host of It's No Secret with Dr. T, which is a small business and marketing podcast. Each week, I interview business leaders who openly share the secrets to the massive success. It's No Secret with Dr. T will educate, entertain, and inspire you. Check it out. You'll find it wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can go to my website, TysonFranklin.com.